Hello and welcome to the Power in the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line as he does every week, it's Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Good, we going well, and yeah, glad to have the regular season back now and in full swing. It's um, yeah, good to have the daily daily uh, fix of all the NBA games and yeah, plenty of action to talk about already from the first uh, few days of the season. It sure is, mate, and we're out of lockdown as well, so it's uh, it's it's all bright side at the moment with the NBA and, and finally out of lockdown. So, yeah, we'll jump into obviously some stuff that's happened so far, but I mean, I guess we have to caddy as as we've done the last couple of weeks. Is uh, last couple of weeks is quickly touch on the Ben Simmons situation. So since we last spoke, we, we've seen Simmons come out and and during practice he he thought it'd be a good idea to uh, conduct practice caddy with a phone in his pocket. So we, we had that happening. Um, there were some reports coming out of uh, Philly that he, he pretty much wasn't even speaking to anyone. He was walking into the building and some of the staff were, were saying hello to him and he was just basically ignoring him. Um, and then he was training by himself off to the side. Um, there were some pro- reports that, you know, even during the drills he was participating in, he never really got out of a jog. Um, and then we had the situation where they were doing some defensive drills and and Doc Rivers asked him to to join in and he said no and Doc asked him again and he, he said no again. So, so Doc Rivers kicked him out of, kicked him out of practice. So... It, uh, it was it was all going a little bit pear-shaped, obviously, and then so they suspended him for that first game and then uh, Daryl Morey, the president president of basketball operations, come out on, on local radio and was pretty forthcoming in, in what he thought of the situation, even mentioning Caddy that it could, it could take up to four years to, to sort this out. So basically, you know, sending a message to the Simmons camp that he's not in any hurry just to basically cave into their demands. And, and what we've had over the last couple of days is, you know, Simmons firstly saying that he's got a bit of a sore back um, which which wouldn't allow him to practice, but then he also finally addressed his teammates and Joel Embiid and, and the rest of the coaching staff, and and told him that he's not sort of mentally ready uh, to play at the moment. So it's obviously still up in the air. We're not too sure what the next step's going to be. But but what have you made of of what's gone on so far? When we spoke about this last week, Caddy, we we were both sort of in agreement that the best course of action for Ben Simmons to take would be for him to at least get out on the on the court. You know, display what he can do, and that would sort of make him more of an attractive trade option, I suppose, for some for some other teams. But he's he's gone down a different route. So, what do you think about what he's done so far? Yeah, I think I was probably surprised. Yeah, just the way he conducted himself. I mean, we only seen you know snippets of the vision, but he clearly looks totally checked out from from what you can tell him. I'm certainly no body language expert, but. Um, you know, he's probably got some of the poorest body language generally in the league. I think anyway, he um, doesn't give too much emotion at the best of times. So I think, yeah, uh, you could just sort of tell he, he was just had the glazed look on his face and um, clearly wasn't, you know, that keen to be there. So, yeah, I mean, disappointing that it's, you know, it's got to, to this where they had to basically send him away. And I suppose he, he's played the, the, you know, you don't want to be too facetious, but he's probably Play, uh, played the best card he can. With Got to be careful when treating their day. I mean, there's nothing you can really say to that, and, and that's probably you, – you would hope it's a legitimate reason, but, uh, yeah, there's not there's not really any, you know, anything that the Philly can say about that, is there? Yeah, and that's probably, you know, why in the end it, it, it may be the, the best card he really had in the end. And, and maybe he, he's not in a great place to be playing, and he's, he's copped clearly plenty of heat since the season finished at the end of last season. and. And, you know, he hasn't been able to come back. Um, you know, he didn't play in the Olympics and then uh, certainly hasn't come back into the fold here in Philly. So, you know, there's probably most likely a, a things going on there and he might not be in a great mental space to be out there playing. But, yeah, I think once you play that card, it, it, it does at least soften a lot of the noise, I think, externally and internally around what people can actually, you know, come out and say and it, it kind of gets parked a little bit. So that, that might be the best course of action for the time being and it, and it might just take the heat out of it. Um, you know, for a few days at, at the very least, and, and then see where things land in in, a, in another week or so. But yeah, it's, you know, it's clearly disappointing from a just a basketball fan point of view that you know we're not seeing him play or or at least be traded and, and an opportunity to play. And as you mentioned, Daryl Morey clearly isn't any any hurry to do him a favour and move him on if they're not going to get what they think is uh, fair value back. So it's going to be a continued watch this space, I think. Um, but I think for now the now that the season has started and he's going to be away from the team again, um, I, I think it'll just quieten itself down. And, and you know, to Philly's credit, they've come out and played reasonably well uh, to start the season. Tyrese Maxey's, you know, taken that starting point guard role on and, and has been, you know, contributing certainly on the offensive end. You know, he gives them a, a little bit more there um, than probably Evan Simmons does. So it's, it's just that defence that they're really missing uh, from having Simmons not out there. 
in that point guard spot. But um, yeah, who who knows where it's all going to land? I think we're we're only all speculating at, at the very best. Yeah, we certainly are. And it would be interesting to see what happens, whether Philly can can get a trade done if he doesn't take the court or whether teams at least want to see him out on the court. I mean, everybody knows what Brent's, Ben Simmons brings to the floor. So it'll be interesting to see, as I said, whether he, he does get out on the court at some stage and then a trade sort of manifests itself or or he just sort of sits out until he's traded. So only time will tell, obviously, Caddy. Uh, the, the other big news that happened during the week was the, the NBA uh, released their top what was supposed to be, Caddy, their top 75 list, which turned into the top 76, which is which is mind-boggling. Surely you can you can sort it out so there's only 75, but apparently there was a tie-break and they couldn't split uh, the, the 75th and the 76 players. So uh, what happened originally after after their first 50 years, they, they named the top 50, and when it was first announced that they were going to do the top 75, it was announced that those 50 players that were originally announced uh, weren't necessarily guaranteed a spot in the top 75 list. So every there was a bit of conjecture floating around about how many from that original 50 would be left off uh, this 75 list. Well, as it turned out, everybody made it. So there's obviously seven, uh, sorry, 26 in the end. New players added to the to the previous top 50 list, including 11 active players, which are Giannis, uh, Carmelo Anthony, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant. James Harden, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Dame Lillard, Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook. Just firstly, Caddy, amongst those 11 active players, were, were they all pretty much walk-up starts for you? Or were there any surprises in just those 11 active players that were added to the list? Yeah, look, I think maybe um, Damian Lillard and Anthony Davis were probably the two for me that, you know, whether it's not so much premature that they had, had earned the right to, to be in such company, but... It's also, I know, you know, Davis clearly has the championship to his name, but Lillard hasn't been able to kind of get to that level. And, and certainly not the be-all and end-all. There's plenty of players on that list uh, from the original 50 and, and that's gone into it this time. But, you know, certainly not around how many championships you won. But I, I, I think Lillard and Davis were the two that probably stood out for me, um, probably because I think they've, they've still got a fair bit to go, um, you know, to round out their career and whether or not um, people are, all the voters were projecting sort of a little bit out to, to what they're going to end up being at the end of the day with their resumes. But, yeah, that of those, that list of the active players, I think those were the, probably the more speculative ones, I would have thought, for mine. Yeah, I agree with that because when they did that original 50 list, they did put Shaq on there at that stage, and I think he was only three or four years into his career at that stage. So, yeah, maybe AD and, and Dame Lillard are speculative. I, I was interested to see whether, you know, Jokic got in, given he won an MVP, and, and if they're going to be really daring and put someone like Luka Doncic, who, you know, everybody thinks, you know, health permitted, that he's certainly going to be worthy of a of being one of the best players of all time. But they, they didn't go down that path. What were the, the biggest omissions for you? For me, clearly, it was Dwight Howard. How the hell... Dwight Howard didn't make this list is baffling to me. We're talking about a guy who is an eight-time All-Star, an eight-time All-NBA player, including five times on the first-team first All-NBA. He's a five-time All-Defensive player, three-time Defensive Player of the Year. He's finished top four, I think, in, in the MVP three times, uh, led a Magic team all the way to the NBA Finals in a series that, when you look at it on paper, it doesn't look all that close, but there were certainly some games in there that, that were closer than sort of that than the, uh, the the final margin would appear. So, And he also knocked off LeBron James along the way there to get to that final. So he wasn't sort of handed an easy route to the final. So this is a guy who was the best center in the game for at least five years and, and certainly one of the best players in the game. And to be a three-time defensive player of the year as well, it's, it, it's clearly just people just don't like Dwight Howard, do they? He's just sort of rubs people the wrong way. And he's obviously had... A bit of a strange second half. His second half of his career, he's bounced around, you know, Atlanta and and I think he had a stop in Washington. And the, you know, there's been a couple of interesting, you know, year here, year there that have probably tarnished his uh, reputation, I suppose, uh, along the way. But for me, and I, and I don't know your thoughts on this, Caddy, but for me, it's pretty pretty astounding that a guy like like Dwight Howard didn't make this list. Yeah, look, and I think I agree with you. I think it's that recency bias potentially that's that's cost him here because yeah. Clearly, when you look at the, the stats and the numbers and how influential he was at that early part of his career in particular, then, you know, it, it, it just, there was no way I felt that he couldn't have been, you know, in that mix of players because he was so dominant. He was a, a league-leading type player um, for so long and, and so powerful, particularly at the defensive end. But, yeah, that maybe just that recency bias, the fact that, you know, he, he probably isn't looked at as a, a great team at. And then, um, 
I mean, the, the interesting part was just that little skirmish that we saw in the uh, second quarter of the Lakers game yesterday where him and AD had all, well, it was a physical confrontation in the end with Davis sort of pushing him, pushing him back, um, apparently um, arguing about a, a missed pick and roll opportunity or something like that. But yeah, I, I think the fact for me, like Davis may have been lucky and hot, Howard was certainly, I think, unlucky. Um, yeah, there's a bit of uh, interesting synergy there as well. Yeah, that that was interesting uh, to see, and I, and I will touch on that a little bit later. But yeah, it's always it's always good, you know. It gives plenty of our uh, content to to NBA scribes and podcasts when when they come up with these lists. And there's always guys who are very unlucky, and but you get a list of guys who are very unlucky, but no one sort of has has the the balls, I suppose, to, to to name guys who shouldn't be on there. But yeah, certainly for me, Dwight Howard was the one that, that was very unlucky. Um and there was obviously a, a number of others that you could certainly mount a case for. I, I would have Dwight Howard ahead of Dame Lillard, for instance. He's just achieved more for me in his career than Dame Lillard. Lillard's obviously got some years ahead of him, but at the moment I would have Howard ahead of, of Lillard. So there well, we I go. Think, um, a few of those international players maybe, you know, in particular Pau Gasol and um, Manu Ginobili, Ginobili yeah. Parker, that, that, that were the players I was sort of interested to see. But again, they can only name 75 and they included a few others that had missed that initial 50 guys like Dominic Wilkins who then um, effectively made it after the fact and Bill Walton I think was another one. So, um, yeah, there's only so many they can they can choose. But, um, yeah, the guy, like you look at a guy like Pau Gasol and the, his career and, and the numbers he put up um, in terms of all-time numbers uh, would fit really comfortably alongside a lot of those names, but you know, there's got to be a line somewhere drawn. I think Kyrie Irving was the other one that, that got a lot of talk over the um, over the week as well as for his omission. And again, a lot of that could be this recency um, bias as well for for Kyrie. Yeah, he's not he's not a very popular player either, is he? So it'll be interesting to see, Caddy, what happens in 25 years' time when they name their top hundred or 101. It'll be interesting to see if they can they can get it to 100 next time, and maybe some of these guys make that list uh, in 25 years' time. But as you mentioned, Caddy, the, the NBA season kicked off this week. So every team's played at least two games. Some, some teams have played three times. Uh, so clearly, Caddy, we've got enough evidence now to, to jump to some conclusions. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're probably going to overreact a little bit, but that, that that's what you do when you, when you only have a handful of games. So what we're going to do is our, our sort of five, we're going to come up with five each, our now, five each overreactions to how the season started. And, and we're going to say, I know it's only early, but, and then we're going to say what our overreaction is. So I'll let you uh, have, face the first delivery, Caddy. I know it's only early, but. Well, it's only very early, but it's very hard to see how the Chicago Bulls could possibly even lose a game this season with the way they're, they're currently playing. No doubt they're going to go 82 and 0. Come out of the blocks firing. Um, I mean, albeit they have only played Detroit twice and the New Orleans Pelicans. So doesn't it, matter, Caddy. Doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. You can only beat what's in front of you. But, um, yeah, look, and they in all three of those games, actually, they have started relatively slowly, Zach Levine in particular, but um, particularly the offensive end, they've taken a while to get going. But, yeah, the more this team continues to gel together, it's, it's um, yeah, very exciting as a Bulls fan to see, um, you know, it's a, it's a legitimate team back in Chicago and, and uh, firing on all cylinders like this, um, there was clearly some question marks around, you know, the bench and the depth. Um, but I think we've we've been able to see some some real um, encouraging signs there. Uh, for, you know, a few of the lesser known players on the on the team. So I think it's, you know, all, all guns blazing here and about you know clearly how far up the east they're going to finish and um, you know how far deeper in the playoffs they're going to be. But now in all seriousness, things have you know looked relatively good. The new players that have come in. I think have settled in well. Lonzo Ball, in particular, has you know been able to come in and particularly at defensive end, his steals and block numbers have been outstanding early on. Uh, Demar Derozan's you know giving you exactly what you'd hope he would give you in that mid range and scoring in that sort of low twenty points a game, um, night in night out. But yeah, as I mentioned on, on the bench, Caruso, as we expected, was going to give these team hell of a lot of energy. You're getting really good um, production out of um, the big guy, Elise Johnson, who, who's sort of playing that. A backup big role. Um, Troy Brown Jr. is getting some decent minutes here, and then um, you've also got uh, Green as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a, a lesser known sort of um, bench mob, I suppose you'd call it. But yeah, they've been able to come in and and you know play really significant minutes in those um, you know in those times when they have to. I know Levine didn't have a great game today, just the 14 points and six of eight on shooting, but he's been terrific. Uh, the other two games and clearly will be still the leader of this team as well. So uh, it started off fantastically well. That defensive rating is the one that's really impressive That where there were question marks potentially around their defence, but they're currently third. 
in defensive rating, which which is outstanding uh, to start with. So you know, three and zip to start the season. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's some tougher games ahead, but as I said, it's all you can do at the moment is beat what's in front of you, and they've taken care of business pretty comfortably um, so far. So uh, exciting times uh, in Chicago for sure. No doubt all Bulls uh, fans are very excited about what they've seen. As you mentioned, it's been Zach Levine who's been really impressive. He's he's really stepped up, and you can see that experience he had playing for Team USA over the summer has certainly grown him. Uh, you said he had a bit of a down game today, but he, he was fantastic in those first couple of games. And and, and you've got some upside in your offense as well, haven't you? You mentioned there the defensive rating being being the third ranked team in defense. That, that's you know that, that's a huge shock for everybody. Everybody thought you were going to be an elite offense and probably struggle on the defensive end. So you're you're actually only got the 19th ranked offense in the and and as we said the, the third ranked defense. So there's plenty of upside and the upside on the offensive end is going to come from Nikola Vucevic, isn't it? He's struggled mightily so far, only averaging the 13 points a game and shooting 35% from the field, much to the chagrin of the power in the key uh, fantasy team caddy because he's uh, for a second round pick, he's just not delivering what I'm looking for. So you'd expect Vucevic to to lift his rating um, and then for the offensive uh, you know game to come along. Uh, for everyone, what, what have you seen so far out of Patrick Williams? He was the one that everybody was sort of uh, hoping would be the one to take another step forward, uh, be that really lockdown uh, defender. Is that what you've seen out of him so far? Yeah, look, I think he's been probably a little bit slow out of the gates, and we know he missed the, a fair chunk of the, the preseason, but I saw um, Billy Donovan after today's game really go to his defence is to his defence and and you know basically point out the fact that he you know he's missed pretty much both pre-seasons last year and this year um, you know clearly a, a young player uh, just at 20 years of age and you know with these a whole new team to basically try and work in with um, without ha- having played any of those pre-season games so I mean clearly the offensive numbers for him uh, are pretty down I, I drafted him in the fantasy draft and was pretty quick to wire him after uh, game one just you could sort of feel that he jumped you know, off early. I did, but in that starting five, he just wasn't going to get enough opportunity, probably with the ball in his hand, to, to do too much from a statistical point of view. So just averaging the seven points a game and three rebounds through three games. So, yeah, the numbers are down. But, you know, while they're winning, I don't think there's going to be too many uh, questions asked. And, you know, clearly he's there again, probably more from a defensive point of view, you know, w- within this group. And that's you know, clearly the role that he'll probably be looking to play as significantly in in that starting five group, so I think I think it's a bit early to to get too um, concerned with his play because, as I said, he you know, missed the whole preseason with that injury, um, the whole you know, and I think just cutting now with these new teammates to to get involved with them. So no, it's all I think it's re- reasonably positive for for Patrick Williams to build his build his way back into this into the season. Yeah, no doubt. As you mentioned, he had that interrupted preseason, so I'm sure he will find his groove. So I'll, uh, I'll have my first go at it, Caddy. I know it's only early, but the LA Lakers cannot win the NBA title. It's not possible, Caddy. 0-2, a disastrous start to the season. Their, their big off-season acquisition, Russell Westbrook, just not fitting in at all. He's averaging 11 points a game, 6 rebounds and 6 assists, shooting 35% from the field. Yet to hit a three-pointer. He's taken seven three-pointers for the season and he's yet to hit one. They've got DeAndre Jordan starting. He couldn't even get a game late in the season for Brooklyn. Avery Bradley played 20 minutes against Phoenix the other day. He was cut by the Golden State Warriors over the last couple of days of training camp. So he couldn't even get a roster spot with Golden State. And he's getting significant minutes for the Lakers. You mentioned uh, Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard getting into a physical altercation on the bench. So clearly the juju, as they like to call it, Caddy, is not right amongst the Lakers at the moment. And I guess the most scary thing for the Lakers at the moment is just the load they're, they're already putting on uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis. So D- Davis is averaging 30, 38 and a half minutes a game and LeBron's averaging 36 and a half minutes a game. Now these are two guys, LeBron for one's 37 years old. You don't want him to be high up in the minutes department. And Anthony Davis, as we know, has got a history of getting some sort of injury along the way. So the last thing you want for him as well is is to be loading up the minutes in him. And and the scary thing is that both of those guys are actually playing good basketball. You look at Anthony Davis, 27 points a game, 12 rebounds. Uh, LeBron's averaging almost 30 points a game, uh, six rebounds and five assists, and they still can't get a win. So... Yeah, it's it's obviously they've had some tough games, no doubt about it, against Golden State and Phoenix, two two of the better teams in the Western Conference. Uh, their next three games are against Memphis, San Antonio, and OKC. So you would hope they would at least get two of those wins. But I'm going to overreact, Caddy, and I'm going to say the Lakers cannot win the title this year. 
Yeah, massive call. But, um, yeah, really, it, it, it hasn't seemed to gel so far. And, you know, we questioned at the end of the preseason whether there was much to read into. I think it was a 0-6 or 0-5 preseason. And, you know, they've come out of the gates slowly here in the regular season. But I think, you know, where, where you're hoping, you know, that there shouldn't be too much panic is we've seen LeBron James being teams that have started slowly. I think one of the Miami seasons, maybe the first one they got together, they were almost, I think, under 500 through about 20 games, the same I think his first season back in Cleveland, they were maybe 16 and 17 at one point. So he has been known to, you know, all his teams have been known to start slowly and then build their way in. But, I, you know, I think we both had some doubts in the over-under pod around the Lakers and whether this was going to be the right fit with this team. And, you know, there so many veterans on it that are clearly past their prime and, and a huge reliance still on LeBron James to, to really carry the torch. And you mentioned Anthony Davis has, has started really well, but the concerning thing, Clearly, is Russell Westbrook and and the way he's playing uh, to start the season, but you know there, there's still clearly plenty of time to turn it around. But it, it is a bit of a worry, and they don't want to fall too far back uh, early on because they're certainly not the you know I just don't think they have that aura. You know, even LeBron James was sitting on the bench; you could see him drawing off to Cameron Payne uh, in the game yesterday. Like it's just stuff that he, he just shouldn't be bringing himself down to at this shouldn't point. Shouldn't even be breathing the same air as Cameron Payne, Caddy. Yeah, but I just think that maybe that aura has been lost a little bit, you know, for a guy like LeBron. Clearly, everyone still respects him, but there's just that fear of, you know, just not being able to compete with him uh, every night maybe has um, diminished slightly. So, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're going to be an interesting watch all season. And I think, you know, for the, the journos and the team, uh, the riders that follow that team, they're going to have plenty of content um, to go through, um, you know, night in, night out almost with that. With this Lakers team, it's going to be a, a real Hollywood uh, type of movie all the way through the through the season. I, I I feel. Yeah, it certainly will be, and and clearly Westbrook, as you mentioned and I mentioned earlier, is is the biggest concern. We've seen Russ start slow over his last couple of stops, you know, with, with Houston and uh, with Washington as well. And then in the back half of the year, he managed to get going. But Houston sort of catered their team towards him. They traded Capella. They went super small and opened up the lane for him. And then in, and then in Washington, you know, he certainly had the ball in his hands a lot. And, and that's what he needs. I can't really foresee that happening in this team because you don't want to take the ball out of LeBron's hands. I mean, LeBron's arguably the best playmaker in the history of the NBA. So it wouldn't make a hell of a lot of sense for to give the ball to Westbrook and say, you do what you do. You know, make Anthony Davis a stretch five. I mean, you know, Davis can certainly shoot the ball, but he's, you know, he's good down in the paint as well. So it's Westbrook has been able to figure it out over his last couple of stops, but this is certainly a different proposition. So I'm going to be, you know, obviously everybody's going to be watching this with a lot of interest in it, and it's going to be a real challenge to see how they get this uh, together. So what are your second one now, Caddy? Let's see which way you go here. I know it's only early, but. The LA Clippers won't make the playoffs. Um, I mean, you hate you're you're just a Paul George hater. <laughs> well, I sort of I flipped on my comments from um, last week where I, I sort of gave them a chance, and and it's certainly not anything Paul George has done wrong to start the season. He's been on absolute fire, averaging thirty five points, ten rebounds, and, and five assists. But um, yeah, just two two losses out of the gates. Um, you know, similar to the Lakers as well. But I just you know I think without Kawhi, there is just. Not enough depth, I don't think, in this team. The defensive numbers are, are horrible here. They're ranked 29th out of 30 at the moment, so they really need to get enough uptick there um, happening. They're just getting eaten alive at that end. And you look down the roster and you just don't see how necessarily that's going to get fixed unless, you know, Serb Jabaka comes back as Superman uh, from injury. So, you know, I've got concerns whether or not, you know, this team can even, you know, make it through. I mean, the play-in tournament gives them gives them half a chance um, at the very least. But when you look at a team, you know, and we spoke about them, you know, at the start of the year, the Memphis Grizzlies, how we expect, you know, continued improvement out of them. You know, Denver Nuggets, Dallas. You know, there's so many good sides here in the in the uh, Western Conference that you know they they can't get too cute here at the start of the season. The Clippers and fall too far back because I think that that might be um, uh, just a, a tough road ahead of them with Kawhi out for the. You know, for the foreseeable future and with no real timeline to come back. And as we've seen, there's not much more Paul George can do statistically at this point, um, but he's going to have to continue that level of play uh, all the way through. And even at this rate, they're, they're not winning the games when he's putting up these type of numbers. So yeah, I've got concerns for the Clippers and I think it could be a, um, a missed season for them. Now, I picked them under when, when we did our over-unders because I, I had some clear concerns about a number of their players. I mentioned whether Reggie Jackson could repeat what he did last year, especially in the playoffs, uh, what Eric Bledsoe was going to be able to bring to the table. Could Marcus Morris continue to shoot as well as he did? 
Could Luke Kennard give them something? Could Nicholas Batum sort of repeat what he did last year? Um, and what could Justice Winslow bring to the table? Well, so far, all of those guys, Blitzo did have a good first game, um, but pretty much all of them haven't been able to do anything. So, I mean, they've played Memphis and Golden State, so t- two of the better teams in the West. So, you know, to play devil's advocate there, you could, you know, they, they're obviously going to get some, some easier games as the season goes along. But who are you looking at? Because you've mentioned Paul George has been terrific, and he certainly has. Who's who's going to be the number two option that can step up and, and sort of regularly produce some some points and efficiently to help Paul George along the way with Kawhi out? Do you think? Well, Eric Bledsoe's been the guy that's you know averaging the seventeen points a game at the moment, and, and that's probably a, a, almost a surprise that he's playing at that type of level. You know, there's probably a question over the the um, efficiency of that, but I think it's Marcus Morris, who's um, you know I know again missed most of the preseason, probably trying to get some. In, in back into his lungs and get get back um, into the groove of things, but yeah, he's been disappointing uh, so far. Still playing the twenty seven minutes a night, but averaging under ten points. He, he really needed to sort of fill, I think, a bit of the void uh, without Kawhi, and, and he was going to get plenty of opportunity to do that. So really, I think he, he needs from particularly from an offensive point of view um, to really lift um, some of those stats. Like he's averaging less than one rebound a game through two games, so that's clearly not ideal. Uh, along with the just the nine point five points. At this stage, so yeah, there's plenty of room. Well, hopefully, room for improvement for our Marcus Morris. Yeah, well, you, you probably know that you you're in trouble to make the playoffs if Marcus Morris is going to be your second option. So yeah, he had a good season last year, shot the three ball pretty well, but I don't think you're going to be a, a team to reckon with in the West if, if you're going to be looking for Marcus Morris to be your your second most uh, important offensive player. So yeah, we'll see how it goes over the next couple of weeks, but no doubt the the Clippers are off to a shaky start. Uh, my second one, Caddy, I know it's only early, but Brad Stevens needs to come down from the front office to coach the Boston Celtics. They're in they're in big trouble at the moment. Uh, they've started the season zero and two, zero and two, sorry, with losses to New York and Toronto. So not absolute superpowers in the Eastern Conference. Uh Jason Tatum has had a had a strange start to the season, I think. We're all expecting him to take a big step forward. Um Certainly after, you know, he had some excuses last year with, with the COVID. Then he went away and played for Team USA and played pretty well for them. But he's just he's just not attacking the rim so far. He's only had five free throws so far this season. So that, that's not good enough for, for a guy who wants to and certainly has the capabilities of being a high, you know, somewhere between 26 to 28 points a game. He, he's got to be attacking the rim and drawing fouls and getting some easy points. So they need more out of Tatum, clearly. Jalen Brown was outstanding in the first game with 46 points, but came back to earth three from 13 from the field and only nine points in the second game against Toronto. So you can't have your second best player being so high and, and then so low in his second game. Getting nothing so far out of Dennis Schroeder, which was sort of their big offseason. He was basically the replacement for Kemba Walker, but he's giving them nothing so far. Marcus Smart, zero points against Toronto. Now, we know that Marcus Smart brings more to the table than his ability to score, but, geez, you've got to be giving him something, Marcus. You just can't be uh, be out there for your defensive capabilities. And just that, that lack of depth, which I did raise uh, when we when we went through the Boston Celtics over and under, and that was the reason that 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 I sort of went under on them. That they just don't have a lot coming off the bench, so that's my biggest concern at the moment. Their offense is ho- is horrible, twenty eighth ranked offense in the moment, and their defense isn't much better, the twenty third ranked defense. So for me, Caddy, they got to get Brad Stevens down there. Obviously, it won't happen, but I'm saying Brad Stevens, come down and save the Boston Celtic team, uh, the Boston Celtic season, because it's up in flames at the moment. Well, it's looking that way. I mean, the, the, that first game was an absolute classic, really, against the Knicks. It was um, incredible that they were even to force overtime in that one. Uh, what they, the hell was um, Evan Fournier doing on that play? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, no idea. But, yeah, they sort of, um, well, got themselves back into overtime there. And then, yeah, the Knicks um, hang on. But that was an incredible opening season opener for sure. And, and then, yeah, whatever happened last night against Toronto at home in Boston was a a horrible loss. So, you know, they, and that you mentioned Jalen Brown um, was so good in that first game and then so poor in the second game. You know, he really does need to step up and along with Tatum. And I suppose that's the risk. They're still young players, those two guys that, you know, still almost finding their way in in the league and trying to work out, you know, who they are and, and, and you know, what how they're going to lead that team. So there is a lot put on their young shoulders. And, um, yeah, I think if you're going to get that inconsistency night in, night out, Potentially with those guys, it is going to be a bit of a concern. Tatum's shooting in particular the start of the season is, yeah, really disappointing, 34% from the field. He needs to you know, sharpen that up 
really, really quickly because, yeah, they don't want to get into a, you know, similar to the Clippers. You just don't want to get too far back um, early on when, you know, there, there may not be, um, you know, that path. But they've got a pretty favourable schedule coming up over the next four games. They've got Houston and Charlotte, then back-to-back against Washington. So there's a chance there to, to wreck the, to right the ship. And, You'd and want maybe, to win at least um, three of those, wouldn't you, if you're Boston? I think so, yeah. I think, well, Houston, you, you just got to tick that off. That is a way. So um, I don't know how much risk, if any, there is there. But, um, you know, that's that's a game you've got to just square away. And, you know, if, you, if you're fair dinkum, you've got to yeah, take care of business, clearly against the Wizards as well, um, who, you know, to their credit, have, have started the season pretty well. But now Boston, yeah, as you mentioned, Brad Stevens, the GM, he's either, yeah, as you mentioned, come back down to the, the court or start, um, start making some moves as the GM because at the moment... Yeah, I, I think they're a clearly diminished side than what we saw last year. And yeah, yes, um, they've still got some players to return, you know, Horford in particular. So whether that you know helps that depth out potentially as well. But yeah, no, tough, tough start to the year for the Celtics. Certainly is, and, and the East is just so much deeper than it usually is. So as you mentioned, you can't afford to get away and be staring down, you know, the barrel of a no and three start or, or a one and four start or whatever it may be. So yeah, they do have a favourable schedule as you mentioned. So they'd want to. Get a few wins over the next three or four games. Uh, moving on to your third one now, Caddy. I know it's only early, but uh, the Madison Square Garden is absolutely rocking, and oh, it is the place to be. For Spike the, Lee loves it for this season, and you know maybe you know playoff basketball back in the garden. We had a hint of it last year in that series against Atlanta Hawks, but if you know they can have a, a you know slightly deeper run again this year and, and get a match up, whether it's with the Bulls or. Um, one of those bigger uh, Eastern Conference teams. That place is going to be absolutely going off its nut. And, yeah, some of the <laughs> some of the video footage I saw from outside the game. Um, I think after the after that Boston game in particular uh, was was quite quite amusing. So they're certainly up and about the um, New York Knicks uh, supporters. And, and why shouldn't they be? It's, uh, you know they've come out getting you know terrific production out of their. Um, I think surprisingly, really the production they're getting out of a guy like Kevin Fournier in particular. Considering Boston um, fans know, must be going, where the hell was this last year? <laughs> yeah, well, he just did, did nothing for them. He was terrific in the Olympics for France, as he always is. But he's yeah showing how again what an elite scorer he can be. Julius Randle as a Mister Beat, he's come back and you know looking like he's going to be in that All Star level type player again and the foundation piece um, for them. And and clearly really relishing that role um, in New York now as as the big man, you know, in in, in town and. Yeah, they're really responding to him. You can tell. Um, Did you expect a drop you know, off from him this season? I think most people were predicting that. I mean, it's only two games, but he's he's been fantastic, hasn't he? Well, you, you you probably thought, oh, well, maybe it was a bit of a flush in the pan, and he might just come back a little bit. Maybe continued improvements out of RJ Barrett, and they've obviously filled out a little bit with depth with Kemba Walker and Fournier. But uh, he's uh, he's still, you know, clearly. Um, Worked on his game, worked on his body um, in the summer because he's looking really, he's looking trimmer than what he even did last year. And um, that three three balls sort of, you know, he's continued to jack them up um, pretty regularly as well and looking pretty comfortable uh, from outside the arc. So, yeah, the Knicks, um, yeah, have started, you know, fantastically well so far. And, um, yeah, it's all of a sudden going to be prime time watching again in, in the garden, which is um, certainly not something we've been able to say for, for the best part of 20 years. No, no, it hasn't been, and it's good to see some of their young players too playing well. So Mitch Robertson finally looks like he's he's uh, nice and fit and getting out on the court, averaging the thirteen rebounds a game, and importantly four and a half offensive boards a game. And he, and he's a good rim protector. He's only averaging the one block a game, but we've seen him, you know, average close to three blocks a game when he's healthy. And, and Obi Toppin too, I've been been impressed. He sort of you know put the writing on the wall during the preseason, but you never quite sure whether that preseason form and that summer league form is going to translate. But he, he certainly looks like he's, you know, at least getting a chance. You know, Thibodeau didn't really play him too much last year, but but he's a super athlete. So, yeah, Randall's playing well. You know, they're getting these contributions from the young guys and Evan Fournier, as you mentioned. And, you know, Walker and, and Derek Rose have probably started the year a little bit slowly. So there's certainly some upside when you look at, you know, their backcourt there as well. So, yeah, no doubt all, all New York supporters, Caddy, including your brother, I'm um, very excited about uh, what's happening at the moment. Moving on to my third one now, Caddy. I know it's only early, but Tyler Harrow is a stone-cold lock, Caddy, a stone-cold lock <laughs> for sixth man of the year. I can't – it's it's impossible. It, it just cannot happen that he's not going to win that award. 
Um, we we heard the reports in the off season about the the added uh, muscle that he'd added. You get the muscle watch every off season, and and the the reports were that uh, Tyler had been in the gym doing a couple of uh, bicep curls, and and you can see that added strength is, is no doubt helping him. He had a really positive preseason where he was sh- shooting the lights out. Uh, and again, similar to Obi Toppin, you just weren't sure whether that was going to translate or not, but it certainly have. We saw him come out in game one in, in that massive win that uh, Miami had over Milwaukee. He had 27 points in only 25 minutes, including hitting four three-pointers. Uh, and then today in the loss, in the overtime loss Miami had, he, he had 30 points and 10 rebounds, including 10 points in that last quarter. And importantly, um, from a Miami Heat perspective and a Tyler Hero perspective, if you're talking about him winning an award like this, that, that he was the one they were going to late in that fourth quarter when the game was on the line. Jimmy Butler was was more than happy to give the ball to him, and he was just he was knocking down some big shots. So he's basically got pretty much the full arsenal at the moment. His mid range game is is just unbelievable at the moment. He's, he seems to be hitting every mid range shot he takes. He's got a nice little floater when he gets into the paint, and he's got the step back three. And he's got extreme confidence, Caddy, as you would if you're married to an Instagram model. So he's got everything going on for him at the moment. I know you you took him again in your fantasy draft, so you must be uh, smiling uh, from ear to ear at the moment. Tyler Hero, Caddy, is a stone-cold lock for the sixth man of the year. Yeah, well, I mean, I got him in the 10th round of our draft, and we got a 16-team Huge league. And, you know, his stock had just fallen so heavily, really, from you know what he put up last year. And, and his numbers, we spoke about it a lot last year, his numbers weren't that dissimilar to his rookie season where, you know, everyone was speaking so glowingly about him. But it was just that it, it didn't look like he'd improved or come on, whereas, you know, what, what he's shown through, you know, not just these two games, his preseason games, he was, you know, shooting the lights out as well. So it's certainly, yeah, he's come to play out of, out of the gate. And, um, as you mentioned, as a sixth man for this team, you know, gives them so many options with, you know, Kyle Lowry in that starting lineup. I mean, he's, he's averaging the 32 minutes a game so far, Hero, so he's playing more than – more than starter level minutes, but um, yeah, he's given him a real scoring punch off the bench. I mean, Aussie Paddy Mills would be another one in that conversation at the moment. And, um, you know, we talk about whether the Bulls are going to ever lose a game. He might not ever miss a three point shot the way he's going. He's <laughs> got, came out of the box and I think he was the first player to ever start a season with 10 consecutive uh, three point shots without a miss. So yeah, I was, picked um, him up off the waiver for that first game too. So that, that was very handy. <laughs> oh, it was incredible. And um, yeah, he, you know, he's just exactly what um, the Brooklyn Nets need, you know, in terms of leadership and enthusiasm and just a positive player to have around. And if he can keep shooting like that the way he is, you know, he's going to be a really valuable play for them. But, yeah, back to Hero, I think, you know, um, it's been a, a really, really hot start. And, yeah, great for Miami that he's come out of the gates like he has. Yeah, and he's going to be huge for him. I did mention during the, the Over-Unders podcast that uh, – I thought Tyler Hero could potentially lead Miami in points per game, and which was a little unusual and was maybe a bit of a, a flyer for me. But it's looking that way at the moment. He's he's been incredible. So, yeah, well done to Tyler Hero and a fantastic start to the season. Moving on to your fourth one, Caddy. I know it's only early, but this Oklahoma City Thunder team may be the worst team that's ever been fielded in an NBA season. <laughs> well, even even worse than uh, I think Charlotte won about eight games at one stage, and Philly certainly dished up some rubbish rosters at stages. Yeah, look, on paper, this uh, it looks disastrous, but, it, you know, you, you like to think, oh, well, we'll give them a chance to see how it all looks in, in real life, but it, it's looking terrible. They're getting blown out um, really, really comfortably uh, so far in this season and you know, just, just the two games as well. But, you know, they've, <laughs> they're points per game at 88 against opposition points per game at 115 is just, um, you know, 27-point differential there is, is extraordinary. <laughs> And it's, uh, yeah, pretty ugly reading. I mean, the starting five, um, you know, you've got Shade Gildas Alexander is, you know, clearly their, you know, star-level play, but he's been really, really poor to start the season, averaging only 15 points a game with 40% shooting. Uh, Lou Dort, who was another one I've had in my fantasy team, is um, shooting at 26% to start the season. Uh, Josh Giddy, you know, he's only averaging the five points a game at the moment and, you know, clearly going to take some time, but it's certainly not helping the, the cause where, you know they're they're just being blown out so so easily, and there's just no real veteran presence on this team. I think you know Derek Favors is, is sort of in that role to you know to be the veteran player, but only playing 15 minutes and scoring three points a game isn't really going to get the job done there. But are you trying to tell me, Caddy, that that it's a bad sign when the Moose Mike Muscala is your <laughs> second leading scorer for the season? Are you trying to tell it's, me that's not a recipe for a good for a good offensive team? No, nah, look, it's it's really messy this this squad, and and, and as we said clearly. 
um, put together to be a, a terrible team. But this this could be next level terrible at the moment. I mean, uh, you just can't see like in any given night. I mean, Houston, who we thought were going to be one of the worst teams, they've blown out by 33 points in the last game. So um, if that's you know that's your competition for potentially one of the other worst teams, well, you, you're a fair way down in the pack. And and this is going to be a really really long season for the Thunder and, and their supporters. I mean, they've played both their games away. So far, so, you know, we'll give them that, that they'll come home in the next game. I think they're playing Philly uh, tomorrow. So let's see if they, you know, get a bit of a boost from playing in front of their home crowd. If anyone, you know, actually comes and turns up to watch um, what is really a shit show um, in Oklahoma City this year. It certainly is. Uh, have you at least liked what you've seen out of Josh Giddy? Uh, Josh Giddy? We spoke about him last week and how he looked good in the preseason. Probably come back down to earth a little bit, to be fair to say. But is he showing at least something for you? Yeah, well, I think he's like right, well in the first game. I think he had the ten rebounds. So I mean, at least he's getting in there, crashing the glass. And we know he's got great court vision. Um, his first points he did score looked like a nice little neat runner over where he tacked um Rudy Gobert in the paint. So you know he's clearly got confidence. But yeah, with with this team that's around him, I mean, not that they're asking him to do too much really at this stage. But yeah, he's just gonna you know be be starved of opportunity really. To, to to affect any type of winning. But, you know, it's going to be a great experience for him one way or the other, and hopefully they continue to put, you know, tip plenty of minutes into him because that's um that's the only way they're going to, going to learn at this stage. But even that, so, like, the, the way they're getting blown out, even these, you know, their minutes per game are going to be far less than what they may have been regularly if they were, you know, in tighter games. So, I mean, Giddy's just averaging at this stage the 24 minutes a game as a starter, so, they, you know, you'd like to see that pick up more to the high 20s potentially. Um, but, yeah, this team's going to be pretty much non-competitive and, and borderline blown out most nights, I'm thinking. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting that they could they could set a record for the least amount of wins in an NBA season. It, it certainly is. There's not a lot of talent outside of Shea Gildas-Alexander. So certainly a, a long year if you're a, if you're a Thunder fan, but uh, it's all about the draft picks going forward. As we know, uh, moving on to my fourth one, Caddy. I know it's only early, but Luka Doncic cannot win the MVP, and this is not this is not a slide on Luka Doncic, who's clearly I think was the favourite for the MVP going into the season, and is certainly one of the best players in in, in the NBA. But the Dallas Mavericks just aren't going to win enough games for Doncic to be a, a serious contender for for the MVP. It's generally comes from a top four team in your conference. I can't see that happening, and 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 I sort of said when we did the Over and Unders podcast, I have absolutely no confidence in what Jason Kidd brings to the table as a coach. And there's been nothing so far from what I've seen for me to sort of, you know, go back on that. They had they had a decent enough win today against Toronto, who were, were on a back-to-back. So Toronto ran out of gas in, in that second half. But this is a team that had the, the best offensive season in the history of the NBA two seasons ago. They only put up 87 points against Atlanta. It was a little bit better today against Toronto, uh, 103 points, but that's still not great. They've only got the 27th ranked offense uh, so far this season. So, kid, I just don't like what he's doing. Um, as I said, Doncic has been okay. He had 18, 11, and 7 against Atlanta. Today he was clearly the best player on the court uh, against Toronto. Had the 27 points, 9 rebounds, and 12 assists. So no slide on Luka Doncic. This is more an attack on Jason Kidd. Um, and also Chris Porzingis, who just isn't bringing enough to the table so far. Had the 11 points, um, only 30% from the field against Atlanta, and 18 points, a little bit better today against Toronto, but still only shooting the 35% from the field. So this is a guy who we'd heard had had a good offseason. He'd finally been healthy. He'd, you know, he'd, he was looking to improve. Everybody was hoping he was going to take that big step forward and become that second banana behind Luka Doncic, but it just doesn't appear to be the case, at least so far. Obviously, only, only a small sample size, but we're overreacting, Caddy. So let's just pretend that Paul Zinkers is going to have a horrendous year. Um, Hardaway Jr. sort of stood up again, as he did in the playoffs, and been the second-best player, but... Unfortunately for Luka Doncic, as good as he is, I just can't see him winning the MVP, MVP because I'm just going to put this all on Jason Kidd's head. Yeah, well, I'm surprised they won today. I, I flicked that game off early in the second quarter. Um, I watched the, the whole first quarter, and, and Toronto were giving them an absolute bath. OG under Navy was on fire. I think he scored nearly 20 points. Got early. into foul trouble, Caddy, which uh, hurt. Yeah, and he, he was actually giving Luka the, the runaround and, and doing most of his scoring on Luka Doncic. And, you could actually tell just the body language of this team early in that game was really, really poor, and a bit of finger pointing was happening. And it was like, "Oh, this is this is not looking good." It's, you know, you, you look at their roster; it is very much much of a muchness to last year. 
Um, obviously, you know, the real own main inclusion is Reggie Bullock so far. He hasn't fired a shot um, anyway. But, like, they, they are, you know, there's nothing really that exciting that, that's different than what we're seeing. I know, you know, you're pointing the finger really heavily at Jason Kidd here. But, you know, from a roster point of view, they didn't change things up a hell of a lot after last year. And it's almost just, you know, relying on that continuing um, level of play of Luka Doncic to sort of take them to the top, because I don't think, you know, as much as we hope Kristaps uh, Pazingas was going to become, you know, something more than what he probably currently is, I just don't know that that is going to ever happen now, and, and we might just have to be used to him being a, a you know, a, a high teen scorer that can occasionally block shots when he feels like doing it, and the, the shooting might not ever be at the level we thought it was. So if, if that is the case, they need to find a third star uh, here pretty quickly to put around um, Doncic in particular uh, to give them a bit more support. So I'm probably... You know, I'm probably less, I suppose, negative in the sense around, you know, what their total end game might be. But, yeah, as you mentioned, if Doncic is to win uh, the MVP, they're going to have to, you know, be playing at a higher level. I mean, his numbers, when you look at them in totality over, um, with his only two games, the 22 points, 10 rebounds, nine and a half assists. So the numbers are, are strong. They're, they're going to be there. So it's just, as you mentioned, how how far can Dallas go here this season and, and you can Jason Kidd get a bit more creative with the way they're, um, they're going to play. Well, you'd hope he'd get a bit more creative than running post-ups for uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, which he was doing in that game against Atlanta. So I don't have a lot of confidence, as I've mentioned a number of times in kids. So we'll see how it all plays out. Moving on to your last one now, Caddy. I know it's only early, but... I know it is only early, but, but I think Evan Mobley could be the rookie of the year. I, I really like it. I like it. What he's done in Cleveland so far, and they you know, probably surprised us a little bit starting that you know, really tall starting five where they um, put... You know, inserted Mobley straight into the starting lineup alongside Jared Allen and Laurie Markin. And so basically three seven footers in that starting lineup. But um, now I mentioned in the over under that I thought Cleveland were, you know, slightly, you know, starting to, you know, trend up in the right direction around building building something that could be sustainable around some good young players. And I think, um, although, you know, they're only, well, they're one and two, so they're certainly not setting the world on fire. But it was a really positive win today against. Atlanta um, and Mobley's play in particular, I think, has been a real um, standout for them at this stage. He's leading Cleveland in minutes per game at 35 minutes a game over the three games, so that's you know, going to give him every chance to to contribute. And 15 points, eight rebounds, uh, two and a half block shots. So he's coming out of the gates really, really well, and and that's looking like a really good lottery pick there for Cleveland, and, and should give them again some really great confidence that they've got something legitimate here to to continue to build around. Yeah, he looks very Chris Boshy out on the floor when when Bosch was sort of young and skinnier in, early in his Toronto days. He, he's been super impressive. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, the GMs, when they did their survey, said that they thought he was going to be the best player, you know, projecting forward to come out of this draft and <clears throat> maybe he was going to be a bit of a slow burn for him early on. But it, it, that certainly hasn't been the case. He's he, he's rebounding really well. He, he's really good around the rim. He's You know, he's got all the moves. He's really fluent. You know, he's an excellent defender, averaging over the two blocks a game, and he's a really good passer as well. So this is this is a huge get for Cleveland. It's somebody you can really build your team around, and 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 I agree with you. He's he's been the most impressive uh, rookie so far. Maybe also with the guy you managed to get off the waiver, caddy Chris Duarte from uh, Indiana, who's who's certainly not shy about uh, horsing up a shot uh, when he gets a ball in his hand. But uh, yeah, Evan Mobley's been been really good. Bear in mind, we obviously haven't seen uh, Cade Cunningham yet, the number one picks. But uh, yeah, for me, I've got no doubt that uh, so far in the very short sample size that uh, Evan Mobley has been the most impressive uh, rookie. So we'll see how the rest of the season pans out for him. Uh, moving on now, Caddy, to my last overreaction. I know it's only early, but the Minnesota Timberwolves can make the playoffs. Who cares, Caddy, that they've beaten New Orleans and uh, the Houston Rockets, two of the worst teams in the NBA? I'm not going to focus on that. What I will focus on, Caddy, is the fact that Carl Anthony Towns is showing us the player that we all know he can be. So 32-10 and 10 against the Houston Rockets, 25 points, and importantly, three blocks against uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. We've also seen Anthony Edwards uh, start the year really well. He had 29 points, including six three-pointers uh, against Houston in that first game and filled the, filled the stat sheet today. Uh, in in their win against the Pelicans with 19 points, nine rebounds, and five assists, he wasn't uh, t- uh, terribly efficient from the field, shooting uh, eight of 22. 
Um, and there's certainly some upside to come too. So their offense is only ranked 21st uh, in the league at the moment. So D'Angelo Russell, his offense hasn't come around at all. So there's certainly some upside with him. And also with Malik Beasley, we haven't really seen him get a lot of minutes or a lot of touches. And, you know, we saw him last year average close to 20 points a game. So they've got two really good offensive players there in D'Angelo Russell and, and Malik Beasley that can certainly uh, improve from an offensive perspective. But it's it's been the defense that has been the real big surprise. That that was the one area we thought they would probably struggle. But at the moment, they've got the second-ranked defense uh, in the NBA. Uh, they only gave up 89 points today to, to New Orleans, who are obviously really struggling at the moment. Um, and they played New Orleans again um, in the next game. So they're 3-0 and at the moment. They're a huge chance, given that they're playing the Pelicans again, to go 4-0. and and we could finally caddy be see, be seeing you know the fruits of the labor that the the T Wolves have been you know a bad team for for so many years and, and finally with Edwards and Towns and maybe Russell and Beasley joining the party we could see a season where the Timberwolves can can really push for a playoff spot. Yeah, look, I hope so. I think you know they've certainly been paid their dues, the, the fans of Minnesota. So look, if Carl Anthony Towns you know clearly can play at the level he is and. If Anthony Edwards, you know, is, as he's showing so far this season, becoming almost their second banana ahead of D'Angelo Russell, then that can only be positive if, you know, they're going to get a really high level of play um, out of Edwards in particular. So, yeah, if Cat can stay on the court, can stay really uh, motivated and enthusiastic, you know, this is the sort of level of play we, we expect to see out of him and, and hopefully do for the remainder of the season. So whether they can hang in there, as you said, they're going to, get a, another opportunity here against New Orleans in the next game. So, you know, what, what we've seen with the Pelicans, I think you'd almost notch that up straight away. And things do get a little bit tougher after they good games against Milwaukee and Denver. But, yeah, good start to the season. Um, you know, when you look at the standings, they're clearly um, the outlier there when you when you look at the top few teams, um, you know, albeit really, really early in the season. But, you know, two, two and zip, you know, and, and winning both games really comfortably. So, yeah, fantastic news for them in Minnesota, and hopefully they can they can continue to to ride it out and, and you know stay above five hundred for as long as possible. Yeah, and, and everyone's got their fingers crossed, and, and everyone would love to see Carl Anthony Towns bounce back after what he went through last year with the COVID and, and losing his mother to COVID as well. So he started the year well, and, and let's keep our fingers crossed that he continue to do so. And, and the T Wolves. You know, I like watching them play. Edwards is obviously a really exciting player to watch as well. So it'd be good to get some new blood and see the Timberwolves uh, push up and stake their claim for a, for a playoff uh, spot in the Western Conference. So we'll call it there, Caddy. I'm sure, you know, we'll, next week when we speak, we'll, we'll, all these overreactions we've had today will, will no doubt prove to be founded and, and, and all these teams that we've said will be good will continue to be good and the ones that we've said uh, are going to struggle for the year will continue to struggle. No doubt at all in my mind that uh, we're going to be on the money with all 10 of these predictions. So uh, thank you to everybody who continues to download this podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts yet and given us a five-star rating, please do so. Also jump on the Facebook page. Uh, like the page there. Also, if you could share the page on Facebook, that would be much appreciated. And until next week, we'll talk to you then.